All right. Uh, once again, it is good to be here in the house of God um, at youth service. Uh, you all have amazing, amazing people here. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, man, you're awesome. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah, because the testimonies, the uh, welcome that I feel, it's great. Uh, the people that are serving here are great. I was up here at the beginning of service on the, I was up on the balcony with the operators up there and Tanya's up there and I'm talking to her. I'm trying to get my slideshow up and going and, and I'm talking to her and uh, I don't even really know what's going on at service because like, you know, I'm a dude, so I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a brother, so I don't, I, I don't multitask that well. And like we're speaking and I guess there's like supposed to be some kind of Bible verses up on the screen and she's like, boom, like she just does. I'm like, oh, whoa. You know, and it's just amazing. So thank you so much for what you do. Like, I couldn't do that. I know that's for sure. Like, I am not a multitasker. I suck at that. I just could only focus on one thing. Uh, but you guys have an amazing group of people here, and it's so good that you're able to come here on a Tuesday evening to uh, fellowship, uh, to worship, and to listen to the Word of God. The only thing is I feel like you guys are a little bit spread apart. Uh, you guys are, like, all over the place, uh, like under the balconies and stuff and far away. Um, so me and uh, Bogdan were talking. We're saying that's why we need a youth center so we get you guys all tight together. You know what I mean? Closer. Uh, so you're not looking when I say turn to your neighbor and say you're awesome. So you're not looking for somebody to turn to. You know what I mean? You just turn to somebody. You can just touch in somebody already shoulder to shoulder. Um, so we're going to have that soon. Uh, but you know, with what we have right now, it would be great. I'm not going to make you guys do it, but next Tuesday, I'm pretty sure you guys ain't going to do it. But remember that I said this. It's better when you guys are tighter together, up closer. Uh, it just feels more cozy and stuff, I think. You know what I mean? Is you're more open maybe to even listening or something. So uh, it's great. Um, so today what I want to uh, share with you is uh, something that's been on my heart for a little while. And uh, um, it's about the uh, identity crisis that we have going on in today's world, right? And, um, you know, we're all going through something, and I like the testimonies today that we heard from Dasha and Hansel. Uh, great testimonies, and it just shows that each and every person is going through something, and uh, it has an effect on us, and that effect uh, very often is also spiritual. I don't know if I told you this story before, but um, uh, so... When I came to America, um, I was born in Ukraine. I came to America uh, a long time ago. But when I went to school, right, I, I don't really remember this, but this is what my parents told me. Uh, so when I went to school, I went to school in Gig Harbor. If anybody knows where Gig Harbor is, it's like far away across the bridge, about like 15-minute drive. Um, but it's kind of like a lot of white people there, like, you know, not like, like, you know, like white Americans. I don't know how you ca ca characterize them, but you get Caucasians? Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's, there wasn't a lot of diversity there. So when I came there with my name, uh, which is Sviatoslav, they were like, it was first very difficult for them to pronounce. And they were like, oh, and this was in kindergarten. And they were like, you know, if you want Sviatoslav to have some friends, we're going to have to change his name a little bit. And so some random counselor at school gave me the name Stan, and it kind of stuck, and that's what I go by now. But because I was young and um, because we came to America, 
uh, when I was very little, and my, I was the youngest in my family, and my older brothers, brothers and sisters, they were really, they really, really pushed to learn uh, English, and so English was, you know, was, it was like everywhere inside my household. English was probably, you know, when I was growing up, was probably spoken, because I would probably hang out with my brothers and sisters more than I would with my parents. It was spoken more, you know what I mean? If anybody here is like a young, is the youngest in your family, you probably know what I'm talking about, because like your older ones, they probably speak some uh, uh, Russian, they're probably pretty good, but once you go down the steps, like to your younger one, it gets kind of worse, worse, and worse, and worse. So, however, um, for me, when I went to school, I didn't speak yet. I had a speech, speech impairment. Um, I actually went uh, to speech therapy and stuff. I couldn't speak till I was in first grade. Uh, clearly, I, did, I, I, did, I had like my own language when kind of like twins have, but I had my own language just because, you know what I mean? Because I don't need a twin. Uh, but um, so I didn't really recognize that my name was ever Sviatoslav, actually. I just thought my name was always Stan. And so I go through, you know, uh, for, uh, kindergarten all the way through fifth grade, uh, not really knowing my name, not really knowing who I truly am or truly uh, the name that I was given. And so um, when I was in sixth grade, we moved up to Tacoma. And we moved, out to, we moved up to South Tacoma, which is like a heavily diverse community of peoples, uh, not anything like Geek Harbor, right? I went to school. And so I go to school there. There's a lot of different people, a lot of, a lot. I mean, I was the only Russian. I think me and um, uh, uh, this other girl, we were the only Russians in our school, like in our grade. And my sister was the other Russian. So there was three Russians in a huge school. The school was huge. Uh, but there was only like three of us. And there was like no other people. Like there was no Mexicans, no black people. I don't remember nobody like that. We were the only group of diverse uh, peoples, I guess, there. So it was very, very like mono. I mean, it's a little bit different now. But uh, so I, uh, I, I, I go to Tacoma. We went to grade middle schools where I went to. Um, and um, I'm, in, I'm in the first day of class, right? I'm just chilling there, sitting. And uh, the teacher's going down through the attendance, right? And my name is like towards the end because my last name is Sayanko. Um, and so she's reading down the list and she's getting down. There's only like, you know, me and this other person, you know, and then she like says Sviatoslav, and everybody's quiet. I'm quiet. I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and uh, she says it again, like Sviatoslav, you know. And I'm quiet, and people are like, you know, but if she doesn't even say Sviatoslav. She like says something else. She like butchers the name. You know what I mean? Like sloth, something like this. I was like, oh man. And, like, everybody starts giggling. Everybody's making fun of this name. I'm laughing. You know what I mean? Everybody's laughing. And she's like, well, I, there's only two more people, and so it's either you or you. And the other person's, like, white. You know what I mean? There's no way I know where I'm from. And then she's like, Sivatoslav, and then she says my middle name, Petrovich, and I knew that, Sayanko, and I'm like, hold up. What? Did I just get a name change? So that day I came to my mom. I was like, Mom, what is going on? Who changed my name? Why is my name Sviatoslav? Like, what is this? And then she's like, that was the name that we gave you. That was the name that we gave you. And then she tells me the whole story and stuff and how it happened. Um, but it was pretty incredible because no matter what somebody called me, no matter what somebody said I was or said who I was, 
it still didn't change my real name given by the one that gave me life. I didn't know how to spell my name, though, until I was, like, in college, though. Uh, and still, I kind of mess up. But uh, it's just me. I'm not that smart of a guy. So, uh, and it's very, very long. Um, <clears throat> but that's very common. We get labeled all kinds of things. The world tries to label us. And then something happens once we start understanding that something's now right. That something, that maybe we're different, that maybe we're somehow not what we were labeled, not what people say we are. And that puts us, and that puts us into something that I want to talk today about. Today, we see an identity in crisis with so many people. The world today is in crisis with who they are, what they're meant to be. And we see this today, especially in the past 15 years. And the reason that we say this is because we are redefining everything. We're changing everything just so it makes a little bit more sense or we think it does or just so we could just fit everybody in just so we could be tolerant of everybody we're redefining all kinds of things just like my name was changed just so I could have maybe a little bit more friends but today we see especially in the past 15 years in your lifetime we see, something, we see something that's transforming here in America that's changing everything. And this did not start at the past, in the past 15 years. This has always been happening, right? We see this in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, when the devil tried to redefine what God said, right? When he said, did God actually say that you cannot eat of any fruit of, the, uh, of any trees of the garden, right? He redefined what Jesus said. That is why we have a crisis in our identity is because the definition, the meaning of things that have been there from the beginning of, 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 of time, we people are trying to change it through the, uh, 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 through the devil pushing us to do that. We're trying to redefine it all, right? We see in the past 15 years marriage, right? We understand what, how God created marriage between a man and and a woman. But today we see that marriage is being redefined. It's being redefined so that everybody who is in love could feel uh, marriage. You know what I mean? And I, I get this, you know, like, even, even the uh, people that are, like, heavy into this, you know, that ever, you know, that uh, uh, to redefine marriage, what they, they do the same thing that the devil does, right? They're like, did God really say that you shouldn't marry the person that you love. You know, it's like, hold up. Well, God said to love everybody. I'm not going to marry everybody, right? I'm going to marry a woman because that's what God said to do, to marry a woman. I'm a man, so i got to marry a woman. So they try to say these things just like that, right? They're trying to change even the word of God so that Christians as well could be a part of this crisis that we're having where we're redefining things, right? 
we see sin being redefined. What we knew to be immoral, what we knew to be bad, today we think sometimes it's okay. Maybe it's not as bad, right? If it's to lie, like today, I mean, uh, you know, this past, um, this past several months, we've got a lot of refugees coming in, you know what I mean? And I help sometimes with their, their uh, filling out the paperwork, you know what I mean? And they came like, let's say, you know, they have like $10,000 or whatever they did. They sold whatever they got, so they got some money, and they came with it here. And then it's like one of the, one of the questions is like, how much cash on hand do you have? They're like, oh, like tell them I don't have any. I see, I don't. It's not in my hand. You know what I mean? And so they try to like say these things, you know, and it's like, okay, when, but that's bad. But I won't get the $800 a month. But that's bad, you know what I mean? It's a sin. We try to redefine genders. This is heavy right now, right? That I don't know what it is. Either we have two sexes and multiple genders or two genders and multiple sexes. I don't really know, but all I know is that they're trying to say that there's not just a male and a female. There's everything, right? We're trying to redefine it. And then there's this identity crisis, right? If you've seen, uh, like, a lot of people that are also, like, really into this LGBTQ, whatever it is, right? If you see, like, if you're watching, like, sometimes I watch some of these uh, discussions that happen in college campuses and stuff. And then they ask, like, one of the simplest questions that could be answered by biology so, so easily. And they say, okay, tell me what is a woman? They ask the person that's into this LGBT thing. And they could never answer it. They're like beating around the, like, it's like, what are you doing? And then everybody is in this identity crisis. And then they try to say, I was at a uh, Pierce County uh, a me a council meeting one time, and uh, they were doing some stuff for LGBTQ stuff to kind of support them and stuff. And one of the arguments that the person brought up was that, oh, um, that this is going to help the youth because they're going to feel like they belong, like, they, uh, uh, like they're welcomed because there's such a huge suicide rate in the uh, kind of LGBTQ uh, uh, group, right? But it's actually been proven, you could Google it, that in the past five years, suicides every year in that community have been increasing exponentially. They've been in increasing, because people that probably were just, you know, normal people, you know, li like in the opposite sex, have been indoctrinated, have been this, 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 this identity, uh, this, this redefining uh, issue has been entrenched into their schools, into their environment, wherever they're at. And they start to think that they are something else. And then they go into this identity crisis. And then they commit suicide. To redefine things that is not healthy at all for a society and especially for Christians. We see identity in crisis in salvation, right? But Jesus said that I am the only way. But we see that today, you know, even, uh, even sometimes even preachers will preach it. That, sal that salvation is not only through Jesus Christ, you need to know what that person's going through. Some like mega pastors too, right? That, oh, it's, it, it depends on the situation. Like I've seen some of these interviews, I'm like, what situation are you talking about? Jesus is the only way. That is what the Bible says. I put some of these verses up there for reference for you. We're not going to go through them because we don't have a lot of time. Do I only have five minutes left? Okay. <laughs> um. 
But we see in gender roles as well, right? Hold on, do I or no? Okay, keep going. He said keep going. He's the boss. I'm sorry. But uh, we see in gender roles, right, uh, men and women, right, everything is just trying to get all confused and you know, woman, you're not supposed to submit at all. You're supposed to be this powerful, you know, individual, independent. You're not supposed to submit because submission is one of the worst things that you could ever do. It's like, what are you talking about? Submitting is the, one of the best things. I wish I could submit to women, actually. Because that means, I, I mean, if you read the Bible, it means like, hey, woman, submit to your husbands. Your husband's going to be like Jesus taking care of you. You just chill and relax and look good. And he's going to make sure that you look good. That's what the Bible, read that right there. Read Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 25. That's really what it says. It says submit as, you, as the church submits to God, right? We submit to God and God takes care of us. He watches over us. He cares for us. We just worship him for doing that. See, the problem is, is that gender roles are confused, right? And that's, even, and that's been pushed into the church from the very beginning. And that the man is supposed to be like this, you know, this like heavy-handed person. And the woman's supposed to just do everything that the man does. I mean, it's been confused. And now it's even getting even worse. But the Bible teaches that God is a God of order. And he says, in order there is peace. In disorder, there is no peace, no peace in our hearts. We get angry, we get distressed. So when there is order, things don't get redefined. Because when things are orderly, things are clearly defined. And that's what the Bible does. But when we push to redefine these things, this is what pushes us into this identity crisis. And the thing is, is that the society around us is in this identity crisis. We're surrounded by these people that are in identity crisis, that are redefining things, that sometimes even we, believers, also fall into identity crisis. We see identity in crisis in many different ways in the Bible, right? When somebody is in an identity crisis like Saul, right, once an anointed king, and then you see towards the end of his life, this person is angry, he's scared, he's confused. He's calling people from the dead, you know what I mean? Because he forgot who he was. We see the young rich ruler, right, that came up to Jesus and asked how he could inherit eternal life. And he seemed to be perfect. That guy was like, dang, I want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I need to be that guy, actually. I'm like, not even that good if he's obeying all those things that he's obeying. But he had an identity crisis. Because at the end of the story, we see that he was too invested into the role that he had. That's why he ran up to Jesus and asking that question. Because he was so invested into that role, but he still felt empty. It's not bad to be, you know, rich, young, and some kind of ruler. It ain't bad. You know what I mean? But when you're invested into whatever role that you are and you feel empty, that means that you're missing something. And that something is Jesus Christ. We see people that are in an identity crisis like Jonah, right? He had misguided passions. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He was like, no way. I don't like those people. I know um, uh, when I was kind of growing up, uh, 
this was kind of in high school. Um, I thought it was like really attractive to play on a guitar. And it was like looked cool up on stage too, you know, like at worship and stuff. So I was like, man, I'm about to go and learn guitar. So I went to TCC for Running Start. And so it's free there. They have guitar classes. I took guitar classes for two years. I think I got worse because I got a, like, a, I was getting A's the first year, and then I got B's the second year. And then I asked my teacher why, and he's like, you know, I feel like you got a little bit worse, actually. And I was like, I don't even know how to play. I don't know what you're talking about, you know. Uh, and I don't. But my passions there were misguided, right, why I wanted to do it. God was calling me to something else. Not using your talents as well. God has maybe given some of you t talents, but somebody that's in an identity crisis doesn't want to use those talents or doesn't want to uh, expose those talents potentially, right? We remember the three servants that had the talents, and one of them hid the one, and he said, oh, I thought this is what you wanted. But no, God wants you to use your talent for his glory. We also see that people that are in identity crisis are also addicted to something. They continue to sin. Whatever it is, either it's something that's, materialistic that they're addicted to, maybe it's uh, substance abuse, maybe it's something that they're watching, maybe it's something that they're doing, they're addicted to it, they're continuing to sin. I know um, I was talking with, uh, with my wife uh, after the, uh, they had a woman's retreat, you know, and uh, she was telling me about some of the things that people were saying there and some of the testimonies. She's like, I didn't even realize this, that people actually could have this. But she was talking about uh, girls that had an addiction to gossip. Like every time that they would get together, they would just gossip. They would, that's all that they would do. And praise God that they realized that, right? Because some people, we're just talking. It's not gossiping. We're just talking. That's the most common excuse I think that women use, Right? But they had this addiction, right? They would probably get together with friends and they would just keep doing it. That's when you know that maybe you're in some kind of identity crisis. All right. Tanya, can you help me out? One of the biggest reasons that people are in an identity crisis is because there's no relationship with God. You don't know God personally. I like Dasha's poem today when she was talking about how that person was afraid of who God was. Right? If you think about the people of Israel, when God called them out of slavery to be his special people, right? To be a chosen people. He was going to do amazing things to them, right? But they could never realize who they were because they did not have a relationship with God. And God multiple times says to them, lack of knowledge, because of your lack of knowledge, right? The lack of knowledge of who I am and who you are. Because they never saw God as their personal God, right? They only saw God as Moses' God. That was Moses' God. That was never our God. They never saw him even as their personal Savior. They looked at Moses as their Savior, not as God, and they never even recognized him as a personal friend, which is very, very important to understand who you are and who God is. Some of these people in the Bible 
they thought that they knew who they were. Moses, right, not capable. I'm not able to lead. Nobody's going to listen to me. Gideon, I'm small. I'm of the weakest of the weak. There's no way that I'm going to be used for what you're saying, God. David, too young, too small, forgotten by his family, right? Rahab, unworthy, too dirty, sinful. Young rich ruler, he thought he was perfect, right? King Nebuchadnezzar, he he was proud of everything that he accomplished. He thought he did it by himself. But then God showed up to each of them. The one that created them. And he reminded them who they were. He said, this is who you are. You're not what people labeled you. You're not what people called you your whole life. This is who you are. I was the one that gave you breath. I was the one that gave you life. And this is what I am calling you. You are mine. You're my child, my temple. You belong to me. And that's what it means to have an identity in Christ. Today, God is showing up. Can you help me out, Tanya, again? Yeah, thank you. Today, God is showing up and reminding you who you are in Christ as well. Because that is important for you to understand, especially right now where you're at in your life. At this very young age, it's very important for you to recognize who am I in Christ? You're a child of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs to heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. It, as Dasha and Hansel were saying their testimony, to be a child of God doesn't mean that it's easy. To be a child of God It's sometimes difficult. You sometimes have to go, right? There's this birthing pains, right? It's difficult. I, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, a spring right now, and we have chicks hatching in our house. Uh, uh, We actually had chicks hatching a few days ago, today and tomorrow. I think there's going to be a few more. But I remember like the first time I got into this homesteading thing that I was that I'm doing. Um, When you see the chicks hatch out of the eggs, it looks very painful. They look very like in in need of help. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I need to help them. I need to do something. And so you want to crack their egg open. And we did that, actually. And those ones that we actually cracked, they all died. They weren't able to survive. Because going through those difficulties, they were able to survive. You know, pulling out of that egg, seeing their mother, the one that gave them breath, understanding they, they survived. But the ones that, so I don't do that anymore. I remember when I was also a teenager, uh, when I was kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of just starting my walk with God and stuff, I expected the pastors, I expected my dad to have all the answers to every question that I ever asked. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you have to tell me. You have to tell me what's going on. You know, tell me this. Give me an answer for that. Give me an answer for that. Give me an answer for that. And we expect that often when we're, uh, when we're kind of first stepping into that. Everything feels like you know, it's, it's, it's so difficult to explain. I don't know if I could believe all this. That's okay. And you're not always going to have an answer for everything, right? I think I've said this before. It's okay. 
you know, because if we had an answer for everything, I like this, uh, uh, um, uh, there was this like rabbi that was here, his name was Michael, uh, several months, maybe like six, uh, six months ago, and he said something interesting, like if I had the answer for everything, then like what kind of God am I serving, right? Like what kind of, like how, I couldn't call him amazing, wonderful, I couldn't be in awe of him if I could explain every little thing, but because I can't explain little things or big things, I understand how great he is because he still created it. He still made it work. You're a temple of God. God is living inside each and every one of you. He abides in you and he's working in you. You're a new creation as we already heard to, today, right? If anybody's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. To be in Christ is to understand this, to believe this, to live by this. To have your identity in Christ is important, especially, like I said, in today's environment, right, in where we're living and what we're going through. One of the most important things about your identity in Christ is having knowledge of who you are in him. And that comes from the Bible. That knowledge comes from the Bible and as well as a personal experience of these things. If you read in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, I put this up because this is an important verse, right? That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him. And where does that knowledge come from? From the Bible. And what happens when we have that knowledge? Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of of his great might. To have knowledge about God means you have knowledge about who you are to him. To have knowledge about God means that you have knowledge about the word of God. Those things that we read about, they come, these revelations come when we are in the word. If you're thinking, I am struggling with my identity in Christ. I don't really know who I am. I don't really know. This doesn't really make any much sense to me. I'm telling you, you have to open up the Bible and you have to read. You have to come to the services as much as you can. You need to join Bibles, uh, uh, Bible uh, study groups. You need to have this personal connection to the Word of God. And then that knowledge will bring, will bring you those revelations. If we remember Jesus Christ... When he was tempted in the, in the wilderness, your identity will be tested. Your identity, who you are in Christ, will be tested. And it is being tested, right? If we remember Jesus Christ in the wilderness when he was being tempted, what was the first thing that the devil said to him? The first thing that the devil said. He said, if you are the son of God, he's testing the identity of Jesus Christ. And praise God that Jesus, he 
knew how to respond, and he responded with Scripture. Then the next time when he tempts Jesus Christ, he says the same thing. He says, if you are the Son of God. Look, the devil knows who you are. He knows who you are in Jesus Christ. And he's going to put that to the test each and every time. He's going to use people around you, sometimes even close people around you, to test your identity, to make sure that you get confused, that you get lost, that you fall into sin. Right? Amen. If you're cool, you're going to do this. You have to try this. Hey, look, everybody's on it. Hey, girl, man, if you love me, you have to kiss me. Right? We're going to get tested constantly. Who we are is going to get tested. But if we are in Christ and if we have these revelations from his word, if we have the knowledge of who we are, it's easier. It's easier to go through the life that we're going through knowing that we belong to God, knowing that we are his child, knowing that we're a temple that Jesus Christ lives in us, and knowing that we're a new creation. Those revelations, they come from when we study these, this Bible, when we have a personal experience of those things. And this personal experience comes through us meditating, through us praying, through us worshiping. I know that this sounds like it's the answer for everything, but let me tell you, it really is. I remember like when I was your age and I needed an answer for everything and I was hoping that I could get some kind of three-step, you know, process, some mathematical equation that I could solve and my life would be better and my life would be easier and I would be cooler and I would be more accepted and all my problems are going to go away. But no, none of that. It's through here, right here. And when you learn who you are in Christ, all those other things, they just seem so much more smaller and smaller and smaller because you understand how big your God is and how important you are to him. Now look into your life. Where are you at? Are you thriving in your identity in Christ? Are you understanding who you are? Are you living out that identity? Or are you living out that label that somebody's given you? Or you're just still confused? But Jesus Christ, he's speaking to your heart tonight. The one that gave you life. And he's given you this big shocker like when I got when I was in sixth grade. Look, whatever you're doing, you don't belong to that. This is who you are. This is your name. You're a child, my child. You're my temple. I abide in you. Live holy. You're a new creation. Let us rise to our feet. If you're struggling here, thinking, look, I, I don't really know what's going on in my life. I don't know where I'm heading. I'm confused. Jesus Christ is calling out to you and saying you're mine. That's who you are. And I want you to come closer and closer to me. So if you need to make that step tonight, I encourage you to make that step and say, God, I'm tired of living in this crisis. I want to live in you, Christ. Amen.